This is your host, Grant Vermeer, Naval Academy Class of 2017, and I'm your Academy Insider. It's my goal to be your guide through the Naval Academy experience by sharing my stories and providing you inside information into the life of a midshipman. Academy Insider is in no way officially affiliated with the United States Naval Academy. All of the content on Academy Insider is my own and does not reflect the views of the United States Naval Academy, the United States Navy, nor the Department of Defense. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Academy Insider Podcast. With the Army-Navy game around the corner, I wanted to take the time to bring on some of my friends, classmates, and members of the Navy Football Brotherhood to talk about what it's like to actually play in the Army-Navy game. So today I'm joined by Dyson Romine, Calvin Cass, and Alex Barta as they share their stories about the preparation for and actually playing in the Army-Navy game. If you're not familiar with the Academy Insider podcast, my name is Grant Vermeer. I'm a Naval Academy graduate from the class of 2017, and I was a member of the varsity basketball team during my time in Annapolis. And now it's my goal through Academy Insider to help educate and inform loved ones and family members and anyone who wants to learn more about the midshipman experience in Annapolis. So if you're interested to find out about what our life is actually like as midshipmen, subscribe to the podcast and follow my webpage, www.academyinsider.com. But for this episode, it's a really fun conversation and you guys are really going to enjoy it. So check it out. All right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Academy Insider Podcast. Today, I'm joined by debatably probably the fastest person to ever play Navy football, uh, my boy Dyson. We got Alex Barta and Calvin Cass here with us, too. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and share stories. Really appreciate it. Uh, and before we get started, if we can just go around the room here really quick uh, and just let people know a little bit of background about who you are. So where you're from, how you came to the Academy, Uh, And then a little bit about your midshipman self. So your company, your major, and just your time as a midshipman. All right, uh, I'll start it off. Uh, Hello, everybody. My name is Dyson Romine. I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Found out about the Naval Academy through recruitment of football. Went to the academy, was in 10th company, majored in economics. I had an amazing time at the Naval Academy. Established some lifelong friendships. You know, added some family members to uh, my loved ones and then commissioned as a swole. Spent the last uh, two years out in Japan where I was stationed at. Had the amazing opportunity to uh, travel the world. Hey, hey everybody. I'm, I'm Alex Bard. I'm from Clarkson, Michigan, the suburbs of Detroit. Uh, just in six company, major with systems engineering, played on the football team with these two guys. I was a punter. Uh, and right now I'm in the FRF, the F- uh, Fleet Readiness Squadron for helicopters in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Just learning how to fly the MH60 Sierra. I'm Calvin Cass Jr. I'm from Sickleville, New Jersey. Found out the Naval Academy through recruitment as well. Was running back down there. Came to the academy as a running back. The 25th company. Uh, so some some academy folks might know that as a bear shark company. Up to three four. English major when I was there. Uh, Took the easy route other than these guys in economics and engineering. I took the easy way out. Um, commissioned as a swell. I'm stationed in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, just came back from a deployment, seven month deployment out at Fifth Fleet. And uh, it's been a fun time, fun ride so far out on this, uh, out in the fleet. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it's taken. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys again taking the time to come on here. Well, before we get started, and again, the main point of this episode is to talk all about the Army Navy game and what makes it special 
uh, as a player? Because we all talk about, you know, everyone comes out here and they say, oh, this is the game, you know, where everyone's willing uh, to die for everyone else who's watching the game. Like, yes, it is a very romanticized game as well. But I want to talk about just the personal aspect of playing football against a rival and how all of that just takes place and kind of the extra emphasis and, and I guess, special side to the game. So uh, but before we get to that point, I just want to talk a little bit about the recruiting process that, because as you guys mentioned, a lot of this for you was, hey, I, and it was the same for me as a basketball player. I didn't even know about the Naval Academy until I started to get recruited. Uh, so for anyone out here who may be in high school, may be interested in the academy, what was it about Navy during the recruitment process that was like, hey, this is a place that I want to go. This brotherhood is the one that I want to be a part of. And this is what I want to do for four years. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll answer this one uh, starting first. Um, so, yeah, I, I started getting recruited my senior year of high school. It was either late first semester or early second semester when uh, Navy football coaches came to my high school. And, uh, again, I initially I never knew about the Naval Academy. Navy football, I just thought they had like an open tryout to the best athletes in the fleet, you know. And, you know, if you were the, one of the better athletes, then you could make the Navy football team or all Navy basketball team. You know, that's what I thought it was. I had an amazing counselor. And once she heard that I was being recruited by Naval Academy, she sat me down and said, hey, I don't know if you're aware of the magnitude of this opportunity that you have in front of you. And I didn't. And, you know, she had told me that I it was about five years prior to me that uh, one of her students went to the Naval Academy. And he, uh, I can't remember if he was EOD or SEAL, but he was commissioned at uh, Special Warfare. And uh, she kept in touch with him. And um, she just told me the, uh, the educational value that uh, a degree held from the Naval Academy. And I remember I had this book that compared all the major colleges in the United States from, you know, the academic side to the uh, how much money you earn after graduation side to how students uh, morale was uh, from going to school there through surveys and so on and so forth. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Naval Academy was ranked number one in a lot of categories, but, you know, across the board, it was the Naval Academy and then other Ivy League schools. So at that point, I knew I was getting a, a great education and I knew that the weight of a degree from that institution carried a lot. And then when I went to my official visit and met the the football coaches, that's what that's what really, uh, you know, won my heart. Coach Neil Matalolo and the other coaches, probably one of the, the most loving groups of men that I've been around as far as coaching staff. And immediately I was told about the brotherhood, made my decision the day that I uh, had my official visit along with many other men. And, uh, you know, that's where it all started. Yeah. And were you guys, did any of you, were any of you on the same recruiting trip or did you three meet each other when you actually reported on your first day? So I went to nap. So I'm a, I'm mm -hmm. a year older than, the, than Calvin and Dyson. So it's a little mm -hmm. bit different. But talking about meeting people, so 2011 Army-Navy game in D.C., I'm sitting in the end zone, and two seats over is Namdi, Namdi Uzoma. And I had no clue who he was, never talked to him, nothing. We meet up after the game in the locker room after we won. Obama was there. It was like the big game. The, the streak was continuing. 
didn't even know who he was, introduced myself. We had like a two-minute conversation of, you know, he's from North Carolina, I'm from Michigan. Our parents talked, never talked to each other, walked through the uh, locker room at naps. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember you. And all of a sudden it was just boom. Like we, right there, just chemistry began again. It was one of those, you're like sitting next to him one day, you don't see him for about a half a year or so. And all of a sudden you're in the same locker room now doing uh, the same mission at naps, trying to get to the academy and be successful there. So it's a small world, but the recruiting process is just crazy how it is. You know how it is for basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Calvin, was it were you getting recruited by any other schools or was Navy your one school? Or I guess what was the differentiating piece for Navy where you're like, yes, this is definitely the program that I want to be a part of? The process started a little earlier. My sophomore year, I actually went to the camp, went to the Navy camp because my dad had introduced me to the Naval Academy. He had played football at West Point. Mm-hmm. So he asked me one summer. Do I want to go to a football camp? And I was just like, uh, yeah, sure. And uh, he suggested West Point. I was like, no, they lose too much. So he <laughs> sent me down, sent me down south to Maryland and I uh, went to the Naval Academy camp. At the camp, I actually met, uh, Coach O'Rourke. I met Coach Pearson, who will become my recruiting, my recruiting coach and Coach Nehemiah. I did pretty well at the camp. I was young for my grade and I did well enough to, uh, bump me up with the kids. I was actually there for recruiting purposes and, Ended up doing well enough to get MVP of the camp. And Nehemiah basically told me that he was going to continue to follow my high school progression up until the point we got me a scholarship. So with that being said, my high school progression wasn't as exponentially fast as my camp mm-hmm. progression. I didn't really get other scouts involved until my senior year in high school, like Dyson was uh, talking about mm-hmm. this situation. And then at that point, Navy came back. Uh, Coach Jasper, offensive coordinator, came down to my house. Invited me to an official visit. Came up for an official visit. Same experience as Dyson. Actually, Dyson was on my official visit. It was yeah. me, him, and Kendrick. We were on the same official <laughs> visit. It was actually a pretty memorable one. But we met guys like John Howe, Meyer Crawl, like all, all those guys, man. And honestly, the person that made me, that turned me over to the side of like really wanting to be part of this brotherhood was Meyer. Mm-hmm. I saw him in the locker room. We had walked in. And he was just going crazy in there. Like he was acting a fool, dancing loud, <laughs> but it was, a, he was very genuine and authentic. And it, it, I think the thing you want to see when you go to these places is someone that's like you or someone that you can see yourself, someone that reminds you of your friends back at home. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I was afraid of was going to a school like the Naval Academy and not seeing any like actual like athletes. Like we got a bunch of squares that were. You know, saying going to school <laughs> in a locker room, but I mean, they're really not. But they're really just like you. You start to when you see that, and you see the kind of people that they are, genuine, authentic, and then still giving their all on the field. You know, what I'm saying you want to be a part of something special like that, and that's what ended up selling me. And I wasn't as quick as Dyson when I came to make my decision, <laughs> but on the on the ride home from the visit, before I got home, I actually said I was gonna, I, I committed. So mm-hmm. it was pretty quick too. But it's one of those things where. The entire, the entire ambiance and atmosphere kind of sells you and your family on uh, continuing that journey here. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to turn this one over to Barter real quick. What do you think it says about the Navy football program that we're constantly competing at an extremely high level, breaking the top 25 on multiple occasions now, happened when, when you guys were on the team as well, with guys who aren't as highly recruited as some of the other schools that are in the same positions that, uh, as us um, what do you think that says about the Navy football program and what allows you guys to be so tight knit and so honestly, just objectively good at a point where we don't have these four and five star recruits that are consistently coming through the Naval Academy? 
Yeah, I, I think it has to do with having a, a, a positive chip on our shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're out to get people, but we're out to prove, not the haters, but we're out to prove that we were worth the value in the high school that they overlooked. Yeah. And talking about the uh, like relationships you build in terms of building that football uh, team aspect and that culture, it's just the small things like going to swim class you know, once a week during the Notre Dame week and like Notre Dame week, Notre Dame week, uh, senior year, Pat Forstall and I swam the mile swim the Thursday before the game. It's stuff like that. It's that small stuff you do that no other school see that just builds that culture of you doing the stuff that's different than they do. And then right after that class, we go straight into a double E exam a dub- or a double yeah. E quiz or whatever it was. But no other schools are doing that. Maybe Air Force uh, and Army are doing their physical activities, but mm-hmm. no one's going from Lejeune over to Rick over to take a double E exam after an hour swim class. So it's just a small stuff like that. But it's okay. it's that stuff on the yard that builds the football culture and builds what you see on Saturdays. It's that small stuff that we do for each other on the yard, in the hall, in Ricketts like produces those W's you see on Saturdays and those upsets that we've had in the past when we were juniors at Memphis, those small little things uh, build it and allow us to succeed for each other. And like, just like these two, Calvin and Dyson, if you go back to the Notre Dame game, senior year, uh, Dyson is out there throwing that haymaker block into the end zone and Calvin's (laughs) just sprinting over, jumping over the pylon. It's small stuff like that, that people don't see that builds that culture. Man. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. We love we love that. You guys, uh, uh, Dyson or Calvin, you have anything to add on that, or you are uh, any thoughts on that topic? Yeah, Bart, I said it, man. I mean, it's cliche, but it's not the size of the dog in the fight; it's the size of the fight in the dog. I mean, all, all you need is to give someone who has some talent, what no matter how big they are, how fast they are, if they have talent. You give them something to believe in, something to hope for. Mm-hmm potential is through the roof you know and that's yeah. uh, that's what the naval academy is and I, and I would say a big thing too every week going into it you think that with the mentality that every team is overlooking us even though we're smaller we think they're slower but it's the mental and it's the toughness that we have that gets us over those teams i mean notre dame's out there throwing six seven six six linemen 330 pounds out there and we got our guys, but I think they have more grit and toughness than they do. And that's why we, we beat them in the senior year, small things like that. Absolutely. It's special. Um, and now just to, to Taylor, just a little bit away from football before we go right back to it. Um, you talked a little bit, each of you, a little bit about what you're doing right now in the Navy. Um, Daishin, you're a service warfare officer out in Japan. Uh, been on a couple patrols out there and deployments. And Calvin, you actually just got back from deployment, right? Yeah. How was, how was that? Right. I mean, as we're talking about this and we do mention there is that aspect of football that after you graduate, the the 99% are going to go out into the fleet, the Navy, the Marine Corps and have a, have a job, (laughs) like a real job. Do you mind just talking a little bit about your deployment and how that experience was and how life has been uh, after graduating the Academy? We left for deployment um, April 1st of, uh, of this year, came back November 5th. So all in all, it was about seven months going on that eighth month when we came back. Um, definitely, definitely was some long days out there. Definitely was hot. We were out in fifth fleet. So, you know, right by the Middle East, you know what I'm saying? So it was very, very hot, very tight, busy days, transit, uh, escorts and dealing with different, uh, different threats, studying for my swoping. I got my swoping on deployment and then turned around and trying to get my EL once. I got uh once I got that under my belt, but 
I think, and then I know you say you're trying to tear it away from football, but I can't help but bring it back. <laughs> no, bring it back. Bring think, it back. I think, man, a lot of the things that make you a successful officer out here, whether it be the Marine Corps, well, different communities, is the things we went through in that locker room. And I think you can say the same thing for your locker room as well. Absolutely. A lot of the things that I think there's some things taught at the Naval Academy that definitely teach you academically how to be as far as when you're trying to uh, study and get your qualifications, but making it through your day to day and then being successful and excelling at your job. And when those tough moments come, how do you push through that adversity? How do you deal with a lot of things that you have once and still push it through and maintain it? Your progress on your goal that you set sight on. Learn that. I definitely learned that in that locker room. There was tough times in there. There was times when our brothers were hurt. There was times when we had family issues going on in that locker room. We still had games to play on Saturday. We still had to go to. When you still got to get hit, you still got to cut, you still got to put your face mask into the turf, get back up, and then do it over again. And that same business-like repetitiveness to our routine is something that I mirrored out when I was on deployment because things became routine. Every day is the same thing, the same watches, the same water, the same everything, but you still have to maintain a high alert on your P's and Q's because at a moment's notice, something could get serious like that quick. So you mm-hmm. had to maintain that alertness at all times. And how I maintained that was was a tenant that I learned in the locker room, for sure. Yeah, I uh, I agree with Calvin 100%. You know, to all the student athletes at the academy listening to this, and especially the football players, the uh, what you're learning now as a student athlete is preparing you to be a successful naval officer. The confidence, the relational skills, um, the leadership that you learn being in that locker room, whether it's football or another sport, is directly transitional to being a leader in the Marine Corps or the Navy. Um, The schedule that I had at the academy is pretty identical to the schedule I have on the ship, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, at the academy, uh, I was waking up around 5, 5.30 in the morning to go into locker room for rehab. Uh, before practice. Um, and if it wasn't rehab, it was swim remedials <laughs> for a semester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my football brothers, I feel I feel the struggle. I know it. Um, but yeah, so I was waking up early at the at the academy to get my day started. Um, and then you know rolling right into a, a quick breakfast. Um, going to my, my first class and then you know even during my lunch period it wasn't a full lunch period because we had to get back to locker room to watch film. I mean, same thing on the ship. I was, you know, during during lunch, I was eating a quick lunch and I was either going to get a quick workout in or setting some time aside to study for uh, qualification. And then, you know, I was staying up later than normal uh, business hours uh, underway in on the ship to get extra work done and then to bond with uh, my division. You know, and being, being a division officer in the Navy is, you know, kind of like being a... Uh, you know, a, a captain on the basketball team or a position captain in football. Um, you know, those men and women look up to you so much. And all you have to do is really just be yourself. Um, realize what it is that the team is working towards and, um, you know, make make it, make the decision to to be all in. And then once you make that decision, it's, it's easy. Um, the coaches at the Naval Academy set the ultimate example to where, I mean, life is just kind of just runs now because of the things that they've instilled in me. Other than football, the example that Coach Niamatololo, Coach Award, Coach Judge, Coach Okaitis, Coach Ingram set, and I watch these guys as 
not only just coaches, but as men, you know, as, as husbands, as fathers, um, you know, I, I was able to firsthand see things that they were dealing with in their life and see how they, you know, put on basically a Superman cape and came to practice and was able to, you know, win the day each and every day, despite what, what was going on, you know, in their personal lives. And they were humble enough to open up some of that to where we were able to see it and learn uh, and develop ourselves as, you know, future fathers, future husbands, so on and so forth. So, um, amazing, amazing time, um, being deployed, going to these other countries, um, being able to be a pedestal for family and friends. Amazing. Absolutely. And Dyson, you, you mentioned a point that I kind of wanted to touch on was that, Hey, when you're out there in the fleet as a division officer, as a platoon commander, whatever it is, it, it's similar to being like a captain in a locker room. And the point I want to get to that is for all those kids out there that may be hesitant about attending the Naval Academy because they're like, oh, man, I don't know that I really want to join the military. I'm not sure about the military aspect of this. It, it's important to note that when you're an officer in the military, what you are is a leader. Like your job is leadership. Right. And so if you want to go out and this is not a knock on anything, but if you want to, you know, you get your degree and then you go and you work at um, an enterprise rent a car, we'll just use the NCAA commercial. Right. Like that's one thing. But like there's something different about getting the opportunity the moment you graduate one to be making a nice salary. I mean, like, you know, for for, for a single 20, you know, 20 something year old kid, it's, it's not bad. But two, you have the ability where. Your job is leadership. Your job is is taking care of people and being part of a tight knit unit that is doing something meaningful. And, and I think that's really really special. And then you do cool stuff like Barda, like going to fly planes and stuff. Like Barda, do you ever think you were going to fly planes in your life or helicopters? Oh, oh heck no, no. I never <laughs> thought that in my wildest dreams. But the Navy pays me to do it, and it's an awesome experience. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I just want to make that point for anyone who may be listening that's like, I'm not sure about the Naval Academy because I'm not sure about the military aspect, which is exactly how I was. Even once I got to the Naval Academy, I, I love my job now. I love it, and I love being a part uh, of the Navy. I think it's tremendously cool um, and a really awesome opportunity. And it doesn't have to be your passion. You know, you have all these people like, oh, you want to have to, you know, have that this massive desire to serve your country. But But what's important to be, noted is that that gets built like that's not something you need to have at the start the camaraderie that you build at the naval academy the people that you're around those are the things that cause you to to want to do it by the end right and so if you don't have that like burning desire to serve your country like that that's okay um because you will you will grow to grow that sense because of the people that you're around um and i think it's just a special opportunity and the jobs are actually pretty cool there's a lot of stuff you can do in the military uh that is fun does anyone have anything to add to that i apologize for rambling on a little bit yeah no i would just say it's uh doing something bigger than yourself is a big thing especially with navy football being like a smaller school in terms of athletes we're always doing something bigger than ourselves especially after we joined a conference and then being a a military officer it's being doing something bigger than yourself in in flight school we really I didn't really get that experience because it's really focused on you getting your wings, getting ready for the fleet. And then now that I'm now in the fleet, riding a squadron, and then eventually in a fleet squadron, uh, like the equivalent of a ship, uh, it's doing something bigger than yourself. Now working with uh, enlisted sailors who are air crewmen in the back, 
uh, I haven't gotten to the stage yet, but we uh, jumped them out for SAR for search and rescue missions. Like uh, my brother-in-law, Josh is doing that uh, in the fleet, right in his squadron. It's just small stuff like that. Uh, that's bigger than yourself that I think drives people more uh, than maybe saying, oh, I want to be in the military. It's just doing something bigger than yourself for a greater cause. Absolutely. Um, well, we appreciate that. And uh, now we're going to hop right back into the main topic of this entire episode, which is Army-Navy. Uh, and we're going to start from the beginning of the week, because for anyone who knows, uh, knows a little bit about the Naval Academy, um, Army Week is crazy. Much like Air Force Week, like when we have our rivalry weeks, life at the Naval Academy just turns into pure chaos. Um, so now I'm just going to turn it over to you guys a little bit in terms of, do you try to be involved with any of the crazy stuff that's going to Bancroft Hall? Or are you trying to just like absolutely stay out of the way and clear your mind and just focus about what's going on in the locker room? And with that, is there like a special, uh, I don't know, even like feeling in the air during that army week where practices are more intense, they're more crisp uh, or kind of what's the, what's the attitude going into the week? Hey, I'll pop this one off. So while there's chaos, there's chaos in the, uh, in the hall, there's also, I would say a sense of chaos on the field. By that, I mean, we take it back to, to training camp as far as the, the atmosphere that's going on on Rick Miller because they take, uh, some, the scout team, um, when you, when you go into the locker room, there'll be black stripes on the scout team's helmets <laughs> because they're going against, they're going against the traveling team who's going to be seeing those black stripe helmets when we go out on, on Saturday and play those boys. Yeah. Um, everything, wore that for two years. <laughs> everything <laughs> is full pad. Everything is, we're hitting everything. All slot backs are cutting, all B backs are cutting, all wide receivers are cutting. You are running, you're running, you're scoring every time you touch the ball, and all skilled players better run to the end zone as well. Lineman, you run at least 10 yards. Um, it's intense. Like, the defense is going hard, offense is going hard, the scout players are going hard because they want to give the best look and shoot. They want to come and travel as well. Like, everything is amplified because the stakes for whatever the record is on their side, on our side, they just got that much higher. Because you, you hate – I think people get a misconception on, like you said, uh, the, the commentators are like, this is the only game where everybody on the field is going to protect everybody that's watching the game. And they don't kind of – they kind of take the 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 hate rivalry out of it. <laughs> kind of like like it's not Ohio State, Michigan or yeah. like Duke, North Carolina basketball. It feels the same way on that it's field. It's a big-time football game. Yeah. We are – we do not – that them on the other side of the field, we don't like them. And we're going to play as if we don't like because we don't like. And there's a whole lot of trash talk on the field. There's a whole lot of whole lot of uh, give and take, and it's physical, very physical, and, violent, and almost. I, <laughs> and I think that that's so important though because this is a competition, and you guys are competitive dudes. You are big time college football players, and that competitive aspect is what makes it fun. That's what makes it a great game to watch. Um, and so kind of turn it back to practice. I think it'd be interesting. I think a lot of people would assume that before a big rivalry game like that, practices would be light almost, you know, don't want to, don't want to get injured. Don't want to get tired. Want to make sure we're ready to go. But it sounds like it was to the opposite of that effect actually. And so how did you guys feel about that as players in the, the, almost the last week of the season bodies are beat down. Does it, does it matter? Or is the fact that it's army week? Just like, you're just like, ah, oh, forget it. Like, we're just going to go hard and who cares man we're trying at that point we're trying to establish a culture uh within the team um i think all four years that i played maybe with the exception of one army week fell right after a bye week 
So mm-hmm. we had a full week of practice without a game and then another week of practice and then Army fell, you know, on that Saturday. So since you have you have two weeks mm-hmm. of basically camp, that <laughs> was what it feels like. Yeah. Like <laughs> where um yeah, it's full contact practices Monday through Friday. Uh the only person that's not getting tackled to the ground is the is the quarterback. Um and the intensity is just beyond is just through the roof. Um mm-hmm. things that coaches would normally, you know, overlook or that normally met the standard, you can guarantee that that's we it's not gonna be enough. You know, even if even if you do something that is satisfactory and you know checks the box on that occasion is not going to be enough. Um, and it's, it's more so just establishing the culture within the mm-hmm. team to go out and fight. Imagine trying to, to fight yourself. Imagine looking in the mirror and trying to, you know, beat the guy up in the mirror, box mm-hmm. yourself. Every, every punch you throw, who you're looking at is throwing the same punch. I mean, Army and Air Force, they are the toughest looks we get each and every year. I mean, it's, it's like playing ourselves. I mean, we know their plays. They know our plays. We know their calls. They know our call. Um, it's the it's the toughest look we're going to get. So it's going to literally come down to minute things that win the game. Um, minute mm-hmm. things that create a change of momentum that leads to big plays and leads to, you know, who the winner is at the, at the end of the game. So, um, very, very special time. Without yeah, a doubt. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Barta, Barta go. No, what, what Dash was saying is the, the everyone but the quarterback gets hit during those weeks. Even I was getting hit at practice <laughs> as the punter. Uh, fr- freshman and sophomore year out there just running the scout team punt. And Coach uh, Coach Graham, I don't think he – or Grantham, I don't, he doesn't coach anymore. But he would bring me into the punt return team film. And he'd be like, all right, I want you to do the exact same thing that that punter's doing. And then he would just bring the house and he would just let them <laughs> try to block it and destroy the scout team. And that was like the only time that I actually got hit in practice. So I thought it was Dyson was bringing that up. Yeah, I even even I, even I was getting hit in practice. Oh, man, punters, punters getting hit. Uh-oh, yep. It's dangerous now. <laughs> yeah, it's not good for the brand, you know. <laughs> hey, yeah, where's, where's Pat McAfee when you need him? <laughs> I know, exactly. Um. Yeah. All right. So you talk a little bit about all right, the full contact, got all the pads, you putting stripes on the scout team helmets to let them know, you know, hey, this is this is what we're practicing for. This is what we're getting ready for. Were there any other little things, whether it was in the locker room or during practice that were different during Army like week? Was there anything specific, little things here and there? Um, I mean, literally as simple as as putting stripes on a helmet, uh, things in the locker room, different posters or anything like that. Was there anything that made Army Week a little bit different in the locker room. Yeah, another thing is um, sometimes, you know, we would practice indoors during the season if the weather was bad or um, whatever the case might be. Army, Navy Week, <laughs> you're outside. Yeah, outside. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If it's a blizzard, <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing that would make us go inside would be if it was lighting. But anything other than that, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the temperature is. How hot, how cold, yeah. how much rain, it's just how going. much snow, we're outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And so you're going through, you have this week of practice. You know, you're sleeping in Bancroft Hall, nothing like those comfy beds in Bancroft Hall. 
at, at what point, um, and, and I answered this question for the year that you were in Baltimore, the years that you were in Baltimore and the years that you were in Philly, if it changed, when did you actually leave and go toward the stadium? Was it the night before? Was it two nights before? Um, and then with that, what's, what's the pregame routine like starting from the night before the game, uh, going up until game time? I, I can talk about the travel part and then they yeah. can hit the pregame stuff, but, uh, the travel stuff we would, uh, normally the games on Saturday, so we would mm-hmm. uh, have a normal practice on a Thursday, a pregame or a pre walkthrough practice. So mm-hmm. not much hitting, a lot more of a, a like a demo run through type of practice, going over onside kick, all the small special team stuff, and then the offensive guys they'd go through their things and defense would do theirs. We'd go get uh, a meal over in King Hall, and then or we get our to go meals. We jump on the bus, and then we'd head up to Philly or Baltimore to the hotel on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. We'd have a uh, like a late night snack Thursday night, and then we'd wake up Friday. And we'd do a foam roll, eat breakfast, and then we'd take the bus over to the stadium. Uh, or one time we went to the Philadelphia Eagles practice facility. We'd do a small walkthrough again there. That was just uh, shorts and T-shirts. Same thing we do on the road at away games. Mm-hmm. Do some band work, and then the guys will play uh, walking two-hand touch football, or we'll just punt the balls into the stands, just having a little bit of fun before the game. <laughs> uh, and then we'll head back to the hotel. Uh, kind of, you know, that's time for your mental prep before a game, trying to get your mind right, trying to get your body right. And then we'll have the pregame uh, meal on Friday night and then they can get into the uh, Saturday prep prior to the game. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to rewind a little bit ahead, to, uh, to all the all the football players. Um, definitely, if, you, if you're not already, I would definitely encourage you to get out and participate in those activities leading up to uh, Army, Navy. I personally was more the type to, you know, focus and kind of spend some time alone reviewing my playbook and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, all this is for you guys. So all the pet rallies and festivities go into creating this atmosphere to put on for for the football team. So definitely get out there and participate, you know, show facing from videos and Social media that I've seen uh, since I graduated, it seems like you know the football team is doing a great job, uh, including the the players with the activities on the yard. So continue to do that. But uh, Army Navy, we actually leave. So normally, throughout the rest of the season, we would leave Annapolis on you know Friday afternoons after classes, depending on how far the the game was. So if it was Within a couple hour trip, couple hour flight, you know, we would leave after the last class period on Friday afternoons. And then if it was somewhere far, maybe like California that required Mm -hmm. longer travel, then we might leave slightly before lunch on a Friday. But Army Navy specifically, we actually leave Thursday evening after um, all the classes and then we have a practice and then we'll get on the uh, showers, get on the buses, go up to either Baltimore or Philadelphia. And that's all tailored towards allowing the the team to get that extra day of complete focus, just 100% locked in, uh, going to the field a day early, just getting a sense of what the atmosphere is going to be like, uh, getting a sense of what the field, the grass feels like, all of the above. Um, so it's all – and it's, it's weird because – there's some there's some dinners like pregame dinners where, you know, everybody's happy, uh, laughing. It almost feels like Thanksgiving dinner where people are joking. And then there's some dinners where you come in and it feels like 
<laughs> like you're in timeout. Like it just nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody's laughing. Yeah, nobody's laughing. Um, everyone's focused. You can see the looks on the coaches' faces, on the players' mm-hmm. faces. It's like business, strictly business. Um, yeah, you, you, go, you go through like that cycle of you know relaxation, focus, relaxation, focus, and it's all build up towards right before the game, and it's just like. You know, the countdown, you know, three, two, one, and it's go time. And, and I want to touch on something that you brought up, Daishin, again. I'm going to echo what You talked about the fact that we do. Oh, I'm I'm sorry to, to to cut you guys off. I just wanted to to butt in here real quick with the fact that you do leave early for games. And this is consistent for all, all varsity athletes, but I want to ask you guys, what was it like? Because, again, what people need to realize about Naval Academy athletes is, like, just because you're an athlete, it doesn't it doesn't matter in terms of academics in school like it's extremely difficult you're taking 17 or 18 credit hours a semester and you're doing all that and now you're missing two full day classes especially like during army navy time that's like during finals week how did you guys manage to like make that happen what what was the process and how do you clear your mind of like i can't worry about what's going on at school at practice but like i also have to worry about what's going on at school if i want to play in the game on Saturday, uh, how how difficult was that? What resources did were, did you guys have to help you out on that? Um, and yeah, just tell talk a little bit about the academic process in all of this. Calvin, let me say let me say something real quick, and then I'll hand it over to you, Cass. But to all of the uh, non athletes who don't kind of get a sense of or who don't understand and have questions as to why does it take so much time to be a football player, basketball player, whatever the case may be, and why they spend so much time away. I had quizzes, tests that I would have to take weekly with football. And if I didn't pass that test, then I was not going to play in that football game. So literally each week I was studying playbooks that I would have to take a test on on a Friday or a Saturday. And if I didn't pass that test, then I wasn't going to touch the field. So, I mean, you all can uh, can imagine whatever, whatever class that you have that takes a lot of time that you're having to put in, you know, a couple hours a day to review stuff so that you're prepared for the quiz or the test is coming up. You know, athletes and specifically football players have that each and every week where, you know, they're, they're having to dedicate a lot, a lot of time. So it's definitely a commitment. And Calvin, go ahead, man. I just, I just completely right. The same, the same amount of time you put to a three credit, four credit class, we're putting that same mental focus on the field as well, because at least like he's saying, there's a whole, there's a whole new playbook for that specific week that was put in that needs to be memorized to the point where it is second nature to your body. A lot of time you hit the field on Saturday and the only way to do that is just to keep, keep looking at it, keep studying it and keep doing it. But to balance that with the fact that we were in finals week, we're in army Navy and I'm going to be the first to tell you, I wasn't the best student in the Naval Academy by any means. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't take my actions on how I handled that as the way to do things, but my words now are probably more, <laughs> more correct to the, to the issue. But, um, 
the teachers, their teachers there, they do, they, they have, they accommodate, uh, you on, um, what, whatever's due between the duration, the duration of time that you're gone. Um, you can either push stuff ahead or push stuff behind by the, by the day. So either you take a test on Monday that was tested on Friday or you take that test on Thursday when everybody else takes on Friday and you have to tailor your week up until that point to get yourself ready to do that while balancing the other things that you're doing. Now that's not an easy task, but it's just, it's just one of the things you have to suck it up and do because the standard doesn't get dropped because you're going to go play a football game. Right. Like there's still, yeah. you still have to meet a goal to graduate and the academy isn't going to lower that goal because you're doing something that isn't necessarily required of you to graduate football. We're there for, um, we're there on scouts to play football. But at the end of the day, we can, we can be removed from the football team and still just be a student. People have been, people have been at position before, but you have to do everything within your power. Talk to your teachers, talk to your, your EI instructors, talk to your coaches, talk to your teachers. If your teachers aren't listening, um, just try to try to help to get as much out the way as you can up until that point and then set yourself up to where you either have taken all that stuff done it's done early and then you can go ahead and focus on the game or push it back until that Monday and focus on the game but as soon as the game's over you gotta understand you got a double E test on Monday that you gotta <laughs> you gotta be ready for so yeah, yeah. we're not we're not taking <laughs> yeah uh, we're like and, and athletes here especially too right we're not taking these random classes right like it, these quizzes that Dyson's talking about is not like a um I, I don't even know like a like an underwater basket weaving or like a dance class right like that that's not it you're taking you're taking a quiz about chemistry or physics or electrical engineering or thermodynamics or thermo. yeah thermodynamics and, and that's even if you're an english major right like it doesn't matter if you're like you're not choosing that like <laughs> that is just a requirement and that's extremely difficult and it's something that as athletes, it's really tough because I feel like there is a, uh, a a tension between varsity athletes and non-varsity athletes because neither side truly understands kind of everything that actually is going on in the other person's life, right? And varsity athletes aren't maliciously trying to get out of things or do the like or or not be around. It's just literally like Calvin and Dyson are saying, like they have to learn an entire playbook and they have to study. And they have to go to film and if they get ready to pass a quiz in physics or thermo or chemistry, right? Like at a certain point, you need to be off deck because you have to be away from the distractions if you are going to study adequately in order to get all of that stuff done and pass. It is tremendously difficult, right? And so this has been something I've been preaching for a long time and it really frustrates me because some of my best friends were NARPs and also a lot of really great athlete friends. Just take the time. Like if you're listening, I, and I know midshipmen don't really listen to this. This is more for the parents. But like if you're a parent, encourage your kids just to like try and understand what the other person's going through, right? Because we don't, yeah, I got it. We don't have to march in parade practice or march on practice or do all that stuff. You are absolutely correct. And do those things suck? Yes, they do. They're not fun. I don't want to march in parade practice. I don't. But like you can still respect and understand the other person's struggles and obstacles and trials and the things that they have to put up with because for Calvin and Dyson and Barta and for all these people, they love this game and they want to perform to the best of their ability. And it was the same thing with me in basketball. I love the game of basketball and I wanted to be the best basketball player I could be, but I also wanted to be the best student I could be, the best midshipman I could be. I got it. 
but there's not enough time in the day to do all of those things. So it, it's just a special, unique aspect that can be very difficult, but it's important to understand for uh, people who are learning about the academy is that athletes and, and normal gym as well, life at the Naval Academy is really hard, no matter what you are doing. Whether you're a football player, whether you're doing nothing, it's hard. It's just hard in different ways. And we just need to do a better job of understanding and accepting and trying to be kind about understanding what all is going on in the other person's life. And sorry to get on a, a soapbox there. It's just something that I just, I feel very strongly about because I feel like people just don't want to take the time to try and understand what the other person's life is like. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, no, you bring up a good point. Uh, I tried I tried to bridge that tension uh, senior year or first year. Uh, spring semester, I went for XO for my company, and I, I thankfully got picked as the XO. And, that, and the purpose was that was try to, to bridge the gap between, you you know, you can say NARPs and varsity athletes is to show other varsity athletes in my company that I was capable of getting an XO position in our company and that I could also do that as well as playing football at the time. And I think it was, it was good to see the other kids in the company seeing that a varsity athlete can do something like that instead of just blending in as a midshipman in ranks. And it, and if you show more face, the more they agree with you and the more hopefully they meet you in the middle. No, not everyone's going to meet us in the middle in terms of that argument, but it's bridging the gap as close as we can. Absolutely. And that's so, so for all the, all the parents out there, sorry, we just got into a 15 minute discussion. Uh, but that's a, that's a very real thing at the Academy. And I'm sure you've probably heard about it is there is a little bit of a tension between, and we're just being realistic here. There is a little bit of a tension between varsity athletes and uh, non-varsity athletes. Um, so if you haven't heard the term NARP, uh, it's not even a Naval Academy specific thing, non-athletic regular person. <laughs> that's just, that's the term we use. Uh, but that, that that's just something that uh, needs to be addressed and talked about because it is. And that's not to say everyone, like again, some of my best friends absolutely were NARPs, but it, it's definitely something um that exists. And I'm glad we got to talk about it because these three guys on here with me are one, a part of YBE, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. But these are these are these are good guys. Like everyone there is a good guy and a good gal. And just like, man, everyone's just trying, everyone's just trying to survive and and do as best as they can and win football games, right? Like, I mean, that that's kind of what it's what it's about, but let, let's jump back to let's jump back to Army Navy here uh, before we get too far down the rabbit hole. Um, and I want to dish this one off uh, to uh, Calvin here. What's it? What's it like? Because Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, it's beautiful and I love it. But what's it like running out onto an NFL stadium with a entirely packed stands? you know, running out onto the Philadelphia Eagle stadium or the Baltimore Ravens stadium. What's that feeling like? Like, can, can it be matched? I think, I think for, for folks recruited for football, man, like when you grow up watching, watching these stadiums, man, you, you playing Madden, like, oh, I'm going to go, let's put, we're going to play the Ravens stadium. We're going to play the Eagle stadium. And me growing up in New Jersey, I went to Eagle games a lot. So I've been in Lincoln financial as a spectator, um, seen a couple games. And actually being able to be be a player on that field and run out and see the stands filled, like to the top, it it it's it's crazy. Like I don't I don't even know if there's a word to describe that feeling because it's like it seems like your preparation and your your preparation met your met your dream at that point to be able to see that and live that. And 
I, one moment specifically, I remember, um, I want to say we were in, we were in Baltimore. We were in Baltimore down, uh, sophomore year, either sophomore or junior year. It had to be sophomore year. Um, it was an onside kick and we had to recover the onside kick to steal the win. And I was on the hands team and I was in the front line. And as, uh, there's a TV timeout right before the onside kick. And as I was, uh, as we were preparing to run the field, they played some song that got both of, that got the midshipmen and the, uh, the court cadets <laughs> jumping, jumping in the stands. And you could see the whole side that I was facing just, just go up and down, up and down screaming. And I could, at that moment, I was, I was blown away. Like I had to actually <laughs> stop. I had to shift my focus because if they would have kicked the ball during that time, I would have had no clue. And we could have easily, <laughs> I could have been we lost the game. But thankfully we, we recovered that onside kick, but it was one of those moments where you're, you, you feel like, wow, I'm really here. Like I really, yeah. I, this is one of my bucket list items that I could say I can cross off because growing up, you just, it's a dream and then a dream became reality at that point. It- and at any point, does that nerve and excitement go away and it's just football? Or does that does that little, uh, the excitement, the nervousness, the, just the sheer grandeur of the event, does is that present throughout the whole game? Or once you're on the field, is it like, man, we're just playing football at this point? Stride. After, after you get, after you see it all, you hit a stride where you're, just, you're locked in. Um, yeah. Because you've kind of, um, you've kind of you've done it before. There's been stadiums we've played in NFL stadiums. We've been blessed to at least throughout some places during the regular season where we might end up at an NFL stadium. Like we played Notre Dame in Jacksonville, or when we went down to when we went over to Notre Dame. That's about as big as NFL stadium. Um, places like that. So we had the the advantage of that perspective where we've seen atmosphere similar to it. But I mean, once you go out, yeah, you you embrace it. You're like, wow, this is this is really this is what it feels like. And then once once you get in that A-back circle or once you start talking to the people you talk to right before you get in that game, you start to narrow in that focus, get tunnel vision on the goal. And that's the only way to be successful in moments like that is to take yourself out of it and minimize it so you can go ahead and execute methodically like you're supposed to. Another thing yeah. about the atmosphere is you can feel the crowd from the locker room. Like you can, you can <laughs> feel the vibration in the locker room from the crowd in the stadium. Um, so it's, it's all build up because you go from playing in college locker rooms where, you know, things are pretty, pretty nice as a division one athlete. Um, mm-hmm. Then you go to this NFL stadium when everything is like luxury, you know, imagine, you know, you were driving a, a Mercedes Benz and now you're driving a Bentley now. <laughs> That's how the locker room. <laughs> is and um, for me, Usually in games, you know, I, I was I was a very uh, a very passionate person, so it was nothing to see me, you know, cr- crying just out of pure passion and excitement for uh, a game before before the kickoff. And then once the kickoff happened, you know, I, I was calm, calm as any other day. Um, but Army Navy specifically, I think it takes a few a few snaps or maybe even like a possession to settle in, unlike most games where you can, you know, hear the call from the sideline or you can, you know, hear the quarterback in the huddle, Army Navy, you cannot hear the quarterback in the huddle. <laughs> so imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine the guy standing four feet away from you and it's so loud that 
you cannot hear what he's saying. And I talked about, you know, having to study and, you know, be prepared for quizzes, uh, for games and such for army Navy, you know, it's, we have to study and understand, you know, the plays and, you know, where to go, who to block, so on and so forth. But at the same time, there's this entire new play signal that we have to learn and memorize from the sidelines. So the coaches are showing, you know, signs to the, to the players. And usually they change those signs that were being used from the rest of the season because we are playing an opponent who's been scouting us all year round and, and they know our cause. So <laughs> they know our cause, but <laughs> we know they know that we, we know that they know our cause, but to, you know, try to get a slight advantage, we're going to use a, a new play call system, new signals. So hopefully it takes them a little bit longer to realize what we're running. Um, so we have yeah. to, we have to learn the, the play signals, um, and if you get out there and the coach holds up a sign, <laughs> mm. you don't know what it says. Yeah. Obvious that you don't know what it says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I think uh, I think that specifically it it takes you know it takes a couple snaps to to settle in and to start to slow down. Um, it's just an adrenaline rush throughout the entire game, but you kind of you kind of find like the balance on where to where to sit. Throughout yeah. that, that's kind of how it was for basketball too. Like we, the first, the first four minutes of the game, yeah, you better not expect anyone to make any shot. The adrenaline was so high, people are throwing throwing that off the bat. Like just, it's bad. But um, yeah, so 2013, you guys win 34 to seven. 2014, you win 17 to 10. 2015, the flu game for Mike Jordan, aka Alex Barta. Uh, you win 2117 and 2016, unfortunately, uh, you lose 2117. What, and I'm going to pass this now to, to each of you. Is there a game out of those four that was most memorable for you? And what was it about that game that made it so special? We can all say, just being objectively speaking, when you said it were memorable, the most memorable one was probably the last one just mm-hmm. because of how everything unfolded. But also, I think just from perspective of the fact that we were down, and it's not to make an excuse. I'm not. Mm-hmm. We we lost the game, but we were down a lot of key plays. I think it was about ten mm-hmm. starters or major contributors were out that game, from outside linebackers to captain, starting quarterback, feedback. There was a lot of people going that game, and I think just our expectations from the beginning of that season and everything that could have happened between the Cotton Bowl and the championship and then Army-Navy continuing the streak, um, a lot of that came to a halt uh, once all that stuff started. to Once the train started to derail a little bit at the end of the injury, it's just one of those things where you don't – there's no regrets, obviously. We, the season the season was a season. I enjoyed the season. But it's kind of – it's memorable for the reason that you always feel like we we left a little bit out that still could have been done, still could have been accomplished. Mm-hmm. All those goals that we put on the board preseason, where it says go to a go to a major bowl game, win Army, uh, win the ACC championship. All those things were literally in our hands going into those last three weeks. It seemed like so. I think for that reason, that game was very memorable, and also for the fact that the uniform that we wore that game, you'll probably never ever see again because it had a star. 
uh, I think at the center of our jersey that was waiting to be filled and we won that game and then we lost the game. So I think they burned the jerseys after the game. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, I think that was the most memorable for me, uh, both speaking positive and negativity. You know what I'm yeah, he brings up most memorable games. That one by far is probably the most memorable, but uh, I wear a Brotherhood, uh, Navy football Brotherhood patch on my flight suit, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll brief I'll brief with lieutenants or other people in flight school. And non academy grads will ask me like, "Oh, what year did you graduate?" And then I say I say seventeen, and immediately the first thing is, "You guys are the ones that lost. You're the one that ruined your own streak." And it oh. it it kind of it it, oh it makes God. a really yeah it makes a very bitter conversation start off. But I try to I try to turn it in the better. But that that's where the most memorable part comes in. And then you were talking about yeah. uh, the 2015 game that was the the awesome helmet game. Uh, but that, that game was that personally, that one was the most memorable for me uh, because uh, I had 11 punts in that game, which almost set the school record for a single game. We didn't, ha- we had no turnovers, but we just kept on getting the fourth down. And then they kept on sending me out there. But, and then on top of that, for that game, I also, I got food poisoning and turned it into uh, the flu that following mm. weekend. So it, it was not fun. <laughs> it was not, it was not fun. Not warming up, sitting in the locker room, going out there, punting a ball, running back to the sideline, feeling like I was about to throw up <laughs> and running back out there. And then to make things worse in our favor, though, uh, Daquan intercepts that last pass that they do on that Hail Mary right in front of the end zone. And he doesn't go back in the end zone. He falls on the one yard line. <laughs> and, then, and then we run, we run, the, we run the Keenan dive through the A gap three times. Yep. And then uh, and then they send me out there. The ball's on the three yard line. 20 seconds left. We're up by we're up by four points. And now it's on my shoulders to kick the ball as far as I can to put them as far as away from the end zone. So and so I, what's going what's going through your mind at that point? Right. Like, are you are you uh, nervous? Like, like catch the ball just like, catch, so, like I got to imagine so, like your hands getting slippery, a little, little sweaty, a little yeah, nervous. So, 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 yeah. So that that game uh, in Philly, they got the they have very big screens on both sides of the end zone that span the whole field and when you're out there by yourself back for a punt or sometimes for a field goal for the kicking guys you'll look up to like look at the uprights or look downfield and you'll be looking at yourself because the cameraman on the other side of the field has it directly on your face mm-hmm. so you'll have this type of like inception <laughs> moment and that's when i just that's when you're like it hits you, you're like oh my god i'm out here by myself about to do this but but yeah no you kind of go out there as, as a kicker, you always try to have positive thoughts, but you're always thinking, don't drop this punt. This is the most important one. And of course, in that game, I did, but I got a very lucky bounce on the ball. It came back up to my hands and uh, thankful for the the three big hogs in front of me who block and they were able to hold them off. And it was actually probably one of my best punts of my career is closer to 60 yards and the guy fumbled it and it kind of set up for that end game. But, <laughs> but, but on a side comment, I actually uh junior year in class i'm in leadership and i present my who i am to the class and i use a photo of myself classic, in football. Classic, yeah. and and the kid goes you're the guy who dropped the ball in the end zone <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh no <laughs> no like this this needs to stop now this needs to, so that, that, that's where my for the brand baby for the brand exactly, Thank, thankless yeah. job it's a thankless yeah. job <laughs> so yeah so that's that's where my memorable memorable experience uh, ends with the army navy game so i'll, I'll let dyson hit on his yeah, to all the uh, uh, Navy supporters, the 2016 team, we are sorry, uh, super duper sorry to be the ones to break the streak. If we could change things, we definitely would. That was a, a tough way to end the season for us. We were playing with like half a team. I think we lost our last three games in a row. Um, but my most memorable Army-Navy experience was my freshman year, actually. Uh, we played in Philadelphia. 
and it was the year of the blizzard. Um, <laughs> so I remember, <laughs> I remember oh my the snow falling from the sky, and then it changed to like rain, and then it changed to sleet, and then it changed back to snow. Um, I remember everybody being super cold. Uh, there wasn't enough jackets or coats <laughs> for everybody on the sideline. So if you were in the Navy, what we would call a, a non-critical asset. <laughs> if, you, if you were a non-critical asset, meaning you were not a guy who was going to get on the field, um, then, you know, you didn't get a coat. So you were really, really cold. Um, but I remember kind of like playing in the rain as a kid, you know, like you play in the rain, you fall in the dirt it doesn't hurt you just you know slide you know 12 feet and you get up and like nothing ever happened that's kind of how it was i remember people getting tackled and just like sliding forever and then the pictures that were taken that game oh my gosh those are million dollar photos um some of the, the best pictures i've ever seen um with guys playing football people running the ball with like the snow fall in the background and people diving at their legs. It was, it was amazing. And then uh, that was the first Navy win against army that I experienced. Um, yeah. My favorite memory by far of army Navy. Absolutely. And, and so as you look back on these moments and talk about these stories and all this stuff, do you think during your time at the Academy, you were truly able to cherish just how special and cool these moments were uh, or is it, or is it starting to hit now? Like now is the time where you're like, man, I can't believe that I got to be a part of all of this. Or were you able, were you able to have that perspective while you were a part of the team? Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, um, uh, so I, you know, I grew up extremely family oriented tight to my, my family, uh, mama's boy. Uh, and then, you know, as a, as a, as a son, you always want to prove to dad, like that, you know what I'm saying? Like you made like, you know, you're, you can carry the last name. So it was that aspect. And then uh, I had a great grandmother who went b completely blind while I was in college. And the army Navy game is a game that's played on TV and radio. So there's like no way that, you know, you, have to miss it if you have, you know, a television or a radio. Um, I, mean, I remember my great grandmother saying that uh, she heard my name on the army, on the army Navy uh, game. And that was very, very memorable to me to know that I, you know, all my life's work up to that point had put me in a position to be able to play on a platform that allowed my grandmother, um, my great grandmother to, be able to hear her great great grandson's name being, you know, broadcast on television or the radio, even though she was blind. That that was very very uh, special to me. Yeah. And speaking of family and friends, I'm gonna pass this one to Calvin here. You you guys are all part of what you call YBE, your best every day. You part of the football brotherhood and always be a part of the Navy football brotherhood. What does it mean? to have those bonds for life. Do you guys still keep in touch regularly? Um, just talk a little bit about that friendship and those bonds that you've created as a member of Navy football uh, and as part of YBE. Well, man, it's, it's something very special. And I know that's very cliche to say every, every, um, every person feels that they've made bonds that, that will last them a lifetime and they're probably all valid. And I don't discount those, but 
I think the ones that we were able to form with the with the um things that were going on all the time that we were there, uh YBE is Navy Football Brotherhood. Um I think that that is something that will that will 100% last until the day we all die. And hopefully we we leave a proper legacy where it continues on to uh and people that 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 live on at that point, but um we went through so much and we're from the point where Tago got hurt to when my mom was sick to when anybody anybody involved in our group had something going on, somebody was failing some class or someone got separated and somebody had to go to an act board. And we were like, we were always able to be there for each other. And throughout that time, we were still playing football and trying to all work it toward a, top, a common goal, whether that be win the game that week, win the, win the season goals, or just to graduate for all of us to graduate. Um, those, those, Adverse those those situations of adversity that uh, that showed up at untimely times um, made us all made us all lock arms and basically carry each other to the place that we had to be. And I, I definitely say that I mean these boys know that anytime they need something they could call they can call me and I have I'm on the phone like what you need what you what you want Tyson same thing Alex the same thing when I got back from deployment. Um, I guess it was the anniversary of when we played Notre Dame and I come back and the first thing I see on Facebook is Dyson reposting the, uh, the picture of our touchdown, um, when yeah. he blocked the dude in the corner and then I scored in uh, on the pot over the pylon. And that was, that was the first thing that I saw once I opened up my, once I opened up my phone. And it's like, it's, it's times like that where even when you go on seven months out to sea, not seeing anybody, you know, you see, keep hit each other up over email come back it's right there because that's the type of that's the type of bond we form and i think your best every day just the mantra itself basically even when we're not within uh phone contact or email contact with each other knowing that my brother's doing the same thing i owe it to myself to continue to do that same thing because when i see him or when i'm able to talk to him he's going to expect me to have that same the same result that we were pushing to when we had last when we last communicated so it's on us to carry that so we can make sure that we're meeting the standard that we have set for us. And I think it's a very good accountability method, very good bonding technique, and a very good mantra to live by. And uh, we keep pushing for that goal every day. It, it's special. It, it truly is just being on the outside and witnessing all of you guys uh, excelling, not only during your time at the academy and football and school as a midshipman, uh, but, it, but in life and now in the fleet. Um, it, it's truly special. And so uh, it's a phrase that I like to use is that when we hear peer pressure, we always hear that as like a negative connotation, like don't fall into peer pressure. But what you guys are doing is positive peer pressure. You guys are encouraging each other and holding that standard and being positive peer pressure on one another and everyone who witnesses who you guys are as men uh, and as leaders to be the best version of themselves and constantly strive to do good things. So I just want to thank you guys for who you are and what you do and the standards that you hold yourself to because you're setting a phenomenal example for everyone uh, who is not only peers with you, but coming after you and have even come before you. So um, thank you for that. And I, I have one final question, and I do I want to pass this one off to Barta here. Um, we've talked a ton about why Navy football is special, why Army-Navy is special, why these games have been so fun. But for any recruit considering the Naval Academy, why should they 
really consider about becoming a GOAT? What is truly special about Navy football? Summarize it all up for us right here uh, for anyone about why a recruit should come to the Naval Academy. Yeah, so the, the big thing is we always talk about it. We wear our patches on flight suits. We have our brotherhood uh, uh, our brotherhood uh, page on uh, by Shank, Frank Shank. The biggest thing is the brothers that, are, that you're talking to right now, these two guys, Dyson, Calvin, and then my other YB brothers, Troy, uh, all those guys. It's those bonds and those relationships you make with them because the academy, yeah, you can make it through individually and it's going to be a little tough. But if you do it as a whole or as a group or as a uh, as a brotherhood, it makes things much simpler. It makes those small little things like going to class and then having to go to practice or having to travel out to Memphis or California. It makes it easier if we can do it together instead of doing an individual. And then like Calvin was discussing those times when his mom was going through a little bit of trouble, we can help lift him up and get him going. Cause if he's fighting that battle by himself, it's going to be one hell of a battle, but if we can support him and we can uh, give him love and we can nurture him throughout the whole process, he'll come out a better man and we'll come out better leaders as well. And then the big thing is you're saying there's, I would say Navy football uh, brotherhood holds each other accountable is the biggest thing. Accountability is something I see that slips and from other people who may not see the same ideals or the same uh, way of life that we see. And by holding each other accountable, I think we're going to be more successful together. And then that uh, coming into the brotherhood aspect is if you're holding each other accountable, you will be successful, especially on the football field and especially in the classroom at the academy. So the big thing is just getting in that team bonding aspect that builds the accountability, builds all that stuff that nobody else sees that we hold each other accountable. Like example, uh, running hills during the summer, during workouts. I'm not the fastest person, nor am I got the fast twitch muscles like these guys, but they're yelling at me, holding me accountable to get my butt up that field and running. And it's, it's small stuff like that, that gets me going that maybe I can't, they can't do, but I can also help in other aspects like the classroom or leadership stuff at school. So, and then joining the brotherhood is just a phenomenal organization uh, post-graduation. The resources that we get now through Frank and all the other guys, there's nothing like it. You can hit up anyone in the country from the Brotherhood and they'll be there at the like drop of a pin. And they're constantly posting about meetups in uh, Virginia. I'm assuming they do stuff in California of watching the games, getting together, talking about leadership and mentoring each other because they want to do the same thing too. They want to pass the torch down to us so we can pass it down to the guys who are playing right now. And then we can pass it down to those high schoolers that are thinking about coming to the academy. I love it. Well, for the entire Academy Insider audience that's been listening, I hope you've been able to see one, not only just be able to watch them on the field and see how impressive they are as football players, but to just get to hear a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes, who they are as men and who they are as friends and peers and teammates. Um, and so I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Dyson, Alex, Calvin, thank you guys so much uh, for taking this time out of your day. Again, for anyone who's listening, Dyson's in Japan right now. He woke up at like 5 a.m. to join us on this call just because he wanted to share these stories and be a part of this and talk with us. It, it's special. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, man, I love I love you guys. Uh, Grant's always been a role model uh, to all of us. The epitome of a student athlete um, pushes himself, has tried to bridge that gap of misunderstanding between the athlete in the NARP world. Um, yeah, just thanks and uh, continue the support. Uh, brotherhood is real. Uh, and I definitely appreciate uh, going to the Naval Academy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing. 
Oh, sorry, I let you go, Calvin. <laughs> I just say, appreciate you having us on here, man. Always been a fan of yours. You're actually in our sister company. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. November 26th. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I appreciate it, man. Definitely one of those people that I looked at as a genuine leader, genuine in everything he did, and knew you were destined for success. The moment I saw you and just how you how you work towards your goals, man. Not surprised you were able to gather us up all today. Be able to have this conversation, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it as well, especially bridging that gap. It's something people really don't see because it's inside the walls of the yard. And I know we all appreciate it from YBE that you're trying to do that for us with these small little podcasts and everything you do on Facebook. So, yeah, I really greatly appreciate that. Much love. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate that. And Calvin, that's what you said that I was telling my dad uh, earlier about all that and being part of it. What's funny is I specifically remember you a story from you during plebe summer where one of the dudes was getting yelled at by whoever that second class detailer was in 25th company. I still can't remember his name, but he he was out there making fun of the dude for doing pushups and you challenged him to a pushup competition. And you said, if I could do more pushups than you in one minute, then you got to leave him alone. And you repped out, you repped out like 88 pushups, bro. in like a minute. And I was dying. And, and the detailer, he, he did like 40. He, he was like, see, he was struggling. I was dying. Um, but, but honestly, it just speaks to, to the dude you were from the day you stepped in there, honestly looking out for the people in your company, knowing that you could dominate just about anyone in a physical competition. So um, I love it. But all right, guys, thank you guys so much to the entire Academy Insider audience. Thank you for listening. Uh, and I hope you all have a good day. And most importantly, beat Army. Beat them. Beat them. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe. If you want to know more about the United States Naval Academy or the midshipman experience, you can find more articles and content about the life of a midshipman on my webpage, www.academyinsider.com or my Facebook page, Academy Insider. I'm Grant Vermeer, the Academy Insider, and thank you so much for letting me be your guide to the United States Naval Academy.